When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Middle cough. Hey, hey. Welcome, everybody, on this Tuesday, the final Tuesday of 2021. We are live on YouTube with a lot to talk about. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm glad you made it to this podcast, right? We had the emergency podcast on Monday. If you missed that, there'll be another one on Wednesday. So it's a absolutely packed week. And uh, we're glad you're making time for this show. Thank you. Did you know the playoff games were on Friday? Yeah. For some reason, our buddy Hawk texts me. He's like, hey, you want to go downtown or something? Watch the games? I'm like, on Friday? I was thrown off. I don't know. I thought they were Saturday, but I guess it makes sense, right? Is the Rose Bowl Saturday? Theory on, yeah, it's on New Year's Day. Yep. I'm a little thrown off. I, the timing of these games, mainly because, yeah, I don't know. My days aren't in alignment. Right? You'd like them on a Saturday. I wouldn't mind them on Saturday. Like, why couldn't they be on just New Year's Day, right? Yeah. Uh, but you got all your your New Year six games, so I feel like I, it, in my mind we've had them on a Friday before, but it, it doesn't make sense that that would have happened. It probably hasn't. It feels to me like it has, but um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed. Nobody's doing anything this week, so it probably wouldn't even matter. <laughs> nobody's working, not a soul. It would just be an over uh, uh, over uh, overpopulation of Saturday, right? Do we have Saturday football, NFL games this week? We got a couple. No, no, we don't. We just None. have Sunday, Sunday, and a Monday night game. Feels like a real missed opportunity for the NFL. When all the Saturday games get canceled, there's going to be no football Saturday. I agree. I could use a Saturday NFL game for sure. Uh, you know, you can use Saturday for Tito's. This podcast is sponsored by Tito's. Tito's handmade vodka, number one vodka in America. Where some of us have graduated from John Daly's and Tito's and sodas to White Russians. Uh, word on the street is the White Russians were a big hit at the Middlecoff Christmas. Pretty pretty flavorful. My, uh, I don't even know what she would be considered. My brother's wife's mom, so it's his mother-in-law. Sister-in-law? So my, my mother's, my second mother-in-law? I don't know. But uh, she ha- she brought some homemade Kahlua uh, and just went a little Tito's, a little homemade Kahlua, and then just a little bit of eggnog on the top. And it is, whew. Wait a I second. Mean, I think... Yeah. K- K- wow. Kahlua is homemade like, Kahlua? What does that mean? Well, it's like rum, coffee. I I don't know. I mean, it was just it looked black like Kahlua. She said it was homemade yeah. Kahlua and we used it in the uh in the Tito's eggnogs or the Tito's white russians with eggnog and uh, So is that is was, that is that egg, what, you so you make you made the eggnog. So you, no, I mean the eggnog we just bought in a gotcha, you know, from the store. Okay. Yeah. So uh, a white russian is just Kahlua 
vodka and cream. You know, you can use like the cream you would put in your coffee. So okay. instead of the cream or a milk or a half and half, you just use the eggnog and it is legit. And I'm going to ask an embarrassing question now. Eggnog, like what does that taste like? Is it sweet? Yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a creamy, it's like a creamy vanilla-y, half and halfy type okay. texture, I would guess. You've never had eggnog? Never had eggnog. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been, you know, a lot of Hanukkah parties early in my life. And then whenever I've been offered eggnog, it's been without really thinking about it. I'm good. You know, I just kind of denied it. Just always kind of yeah, felt weird. You got to live, guy. You got to live. But, I'm not a huge eggnog guy, but just you you just have to put probably like a shot worth in the uh, in the white Russian. So it just adds a little kind of creamy, you know, vanilla y flavor. Wow. All right. It's not too late for that or whatever you're making for the uh, for the new year. Do it with Tito's. Tito's handmade vodka. How about the TikTok the person sent us of the guy, definitely retiree, uh, putting all his eggnog in one like uh, big water jug, flipping the thing over and putting the spout in the corner of his kitchen. Pretty crazy. That's a that was a lot of vodka. That's a lot of vodka. That guy is back to college. I know. That thing, uh, you're getting yourself in some trouble in that thing. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Especially if you had someone over and they didn't know and they were just like dying of of thirst. Imagine if like one of the kids wasn't paying attention, just went for a run in the summer. Cannot be in a house with kids. That cannot be in a house with kids. No. Uh, Tito's is six-time distilled in copper pots, not columns. It's more labor-intensive, yes, but it's also better. Distilled and bottled in Austin, Texas, 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. You see, uh, you see, you see Joshua's comment. There's pretty good. Uh, I don't, but I think you you can throw it up. Oh yeah, eggnog is the. Uh, how do I do this thing again? Just click on it. Eggnog is the Jimmy G of the holidays. Get your hopes up and curdle in your mouth. <laughs> I like eggnog better than milk, and I don't. Not that I drink milk. I actually drink chocolate milk every once in a while. Mm. I was behind the I was behind a guy at the grocery store two days ago. He had six he had six percent milk, and I said, "Wow, that's what's that like?" He's like, "What I do is I I get the the four percent chocolate milk, and then I mix it with six percent milk, and that's that's the best kind of chocolate milk you can have." I was like, "That sounds Jesus. never heard of that six percent milk, but That'd straight be from pretty intense. Yeah. All right, John. Uh, here's a comment from Filthy Swift Forty Nine. Let's make the tradeoffs. Clearly a Niners fan. So let us begin this podcast with Jimmy Garoppolo conspiracy theories. Is Jimmy Garoppolo hurt? When did he get hurt? Who found out that he was hurt? Did he tell the 49ers that he was hurt? Or did he tell Adam Schefter that he was hurt? And as we record this before Wednesday, will he ever get unhurt before the end of this season? Should we rattle through it, all the different conspiracy theories? Well, well let's just start on a, a video that went uh, in my timeline. I shared it with you. I'm sure some people saw it of him just unscrewing a water bottle. He had right. a he had a very nice suit on for the Thursday night game, and he unscrewed the water bottle with his throwing hand. And there was no it, it wasn't a LeBron like he showed up at the press conference with yeah. just screwed the unscrewed the water bottle. If you didn't know, you wouldn't have known, and he would have looked completely fine. He was smiling, acting like. A rough loss, but you did not see anything wrong with the thumb. Yes, I was a little alarmed by that to start yeah. to answer your question. I think that was your question. 
Uh, now, I also am aware, you know, injuries evolve over time sometimes. Sometimes they hurt the most when you when they happen, right? Like a stub toe that as, isn't a fracture. Sometimes they hurt worse later. We've seen this happen in football where somebody gets hurt, plays a game, turns out the next day, cracked rib or something like that. Although cracked ribs are pretty sudden injury. So it, it definitely has my attention, has me questioning things. Although I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you suffer an injury and that injury, you know, hurts more 24 hours after the fact. What did you think? Well, on the most basic level, do you think, as of recording this on Tuesday, he's like, do you believe to your core 100% that he's super injured, like they're saying on the on the internet streets? I think he's hurt. I think his yeah. thumb is injured, yes. And I think to say that he's got a fracture is kind of all, I mean, you could get away with lying about it if you never L- let anybody else ligaments test Ligaments too ripped. Right? Ligaments too, right. But ligaments, like the remember, um, technically, I think Trey Lance had a fracture, right? That did not require surgery. Russell Wilson had a fracture that did require surgery, right? Am I right about that? Mal- mallet, mallet finger, yeah. Mallet finger, Ryan Mallet finger. Um, you know, I think there's different levels of fractures. A little crack. I I would imagine this one's not going to need surgery if it's a fake injury. <laughs> Because you can't fake the surgery, too. I guess you could. You could say he had successful surgery performed by Dr. Uh, John Middlecoff. I'm like, oh, well, well not everything. I, I, you know, I, I, I fractured a toe once, and there was no surgery needed. It just takes time. That's what I'm deal. saying. Like, there are fractures that don't require surgery. My guess is this is going to be one of them. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a chance that this is. Okay, let's just dive into theories and why I think this. Uh, the number one theory that you know i Why i got think what be clear, what do you mean well i i i'm unsure i i just thought the more monday played out we did our emergency podcast and then you just let it kind of germinate and you think about it and you, you sit on it and you get people texting you you got some moles and ears of the street and you got all these different angles you got all these thoughts going through your head i think it's fair to say that it was a little fishy oh yeah now, yeah yeah agree very fishy the way it's not fishy that in in football, when someone goes out to practice, and the way for people listening to this that have never been to an NFL practice, the reason like people like me and you that don't you know cover the team, I, I wouldn't consider ourselves cover the team. We talk about the team, but like after training camp, we would never go to a practice mainly because you're not allowed to go to practice. You go for like ten minutes, but in that ten minute window, that is where we often like the team wouldn't just. If the team didn't have to, they wouldn't have told anyone that like Jimmy was out, right? They probably would have kept that to themselves and just let the week play out. Now, it's impossible to avoid because the media is allowed even for a fraction of time and they go, you start just counting heads and you go, well, there's seven or, or there's five. Where's 10? And you don't see Jimmy. So then they ask the question and Kyle has no choice. And the injury, and even Mayoko quoted Rapshi's tweet, it went from a small injury to like this fracture UCL injury. So the injury grew after Kyle talked. Now, as we've, uh, you know, what coaches say with injuries or playing status, you always got to take that with a grain of salt. So it's it's hard. It's not like I'm saying Kyle was lying, but it's just, this. my, my number one theory uh, is that this is a little bit of a stretch, but I do think there's, I do think it's possible that this happened, that they benched Jimmy Garoppolo. And they were going to, after that game, that was a disaster situation for Kyle and John Lynch. It ended up John liking a tweet, Kyle Shanahan, 
he hadn't slept all week. I mean, he, I would imagine 10 total hours from Sunday night till Thursday of the game. And then he has a good game plan, and Jimmy fucked it up. Like, that game was squarely on the quarterback. Nobody else, not even the corners, because if he doesn't throw the picks, A.J. Brown's one touchdown is not enough to beat them. And Kyle snaps and can't take it anymore. And he realizes only a couple games left. This kid has been playing well in practice. It's just time. But... They, they run a business, and Jimmy is an asset, and benching him, he would never get traded. Now, he still might not get traded, but this way, you say an injury, which is not great for his trade value either, you're able to transition to Trey Lance without, quote-unquote, saying you benched him and making that a whole thing. He just got injured. Players get injured all the time. Now, the hole in that theory is, how do you fake an injury in 2021 without people knowing Jimmy eventually has to come to the facility, see his teammates, could be a little weird, but I do think that's on the table. That would be my number one conspiracy theory that I think is plausible that they essentially bench Jimmy Garoppolo and use the injury to, uh, I would say, circumvent saying that, that, you know, they benched him. Yeah, to protect, we, we know that they've spent a lot of time trying to maintain Jimmy Garoppolo's value. We know that. They've spent a lot of time over the years trying to over the last year, right? Going back to before the draft, even post try, the trade, right? They did. Yep. They were pretty adamant trying to make sure that even John Lynch, I still believe in Jimmy. He said that the other day, right? Um, so they've spent a lot of time on that. There's no question about it. Now it would get difficult if you trade him. I would imagine the team that acquires him will have some access to his medical information, right? They'll want to do some evaluation of him, check out his thumb, his surgically or non-surgically repaired thumb. Uh, did it require surgery? Oh, it didn't require surgery. Why didn't it require surgery? Can we see the x-rays, Don Yee? So, but the one thing about it is that Don Yee and Jimmy Garoppolo would have an incentive to cooperate in this theoretical lie because it helps them, right? It helps them make the case that Jimmy didn't struggle. My number one takeaway from this situation is that it, I think it's pretty impressive in some ways that we lasted this long in what was a really weird situation without things getting this weird. Whether it was a fake injury, as you have laid out the theory for, whether it was an injury that Don Yee and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't necessarily share with the 49ers up front because Kyle Shanahan says it's a sprain and then Rap Sheet says it's a fracture. And that's when Mayoko wrote on Twitter, like, oh, things are curious, curiouser and curiouser. Um, that it's, I don't, I do wonder if the fact that John Lynch liked that tweet is a part of this whole play here, right? Now, it doesn't factor into your theory. It doesn't make sense to have this elaborate plan where you're trying to up his trade value and then have John Lynch like a tweet that says we hate him. I have multiple theories, though. I have another one for No, you. no, okay. But I'm just, but my point is the John Lynch thing, um, I would imagine Don Yee whose star client is Tom Brady has a long history of believing that, you know, the star player or the quarterback should be treated a certain way and has certain rights um, that other players do not enjoy. Right. And that liking a tweet that says you should leave your quarterback in Nashville is not appropriate accidental or not. I would imagine Don Yee was pissed when that happened. If I were Jimmy Garoppolo, even if I, kind of bought John Lynch's 
scenario. Even if I know John Lynch, I think John Lynch wouldn't do that. I, me, Guy Haberman, I don't think John Lynch would do that, but on purpose. But that would piss you off if you were that guy, wouldn't it? If you were that guy and you had to eventually, you know, you're going to have to step behind the microphone and someone's going to ask you, what do you think when John Lynch liked to tweet that said they should have left you in Nashville? I don't know if Jimmy has a Twitter account, but I, I do think when you see that I, I, it would really piss me off if I if John hadn't been tagged in it and like he was searching that stuff. It was clear he was tagged in that with like Mayoko and a couple other fan accounts that anyone that has Twitter knows that it would just naturally come up on your scroll and he's scrolling the mentions and see some stuff. So I think if you live in that world, which most players do have a Twitter account, I think it's kind of understandable. But like you said, the the result is the result. And because my argument would be like, well, you played like shit and two, they play a premium to deal with the shit. But we are dealing with humans. Understandable for them to be really mad. Now, my pushback on the Brady thing is it wasn't really till his latter, like 40, 41 years old. Remember forever, there were countless articles of like, from 25 to like his late 30s, he got treated just like everyone else, and that helped set the culture of their success. Like Brady was a huge part of playing into that. Now, he never had to deal with a like tweet from his head coach, but that was not nothing. I mean, that was clearly an accident. Like John Lynch, if he could do that over, would have avoided that at all costs because it made a story that didn't need to be there. But like I, I have a hard time, I get as a human being mad, but like... Like, I would get it if you had won the game and you fucked up. It's like, fuck you guys. We still won the game. But, like, you lost, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, that, I, that, 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 but it's as simple as my boss shouldn't like a tweet like that. And it's not even about logic. Like, I think we get caught up in these arguments about humans in logic all the time. If I was Don Yee and I was Jimmy Garoppolo, I'd be pissed, period. And I just think it's, it's pretty remarkable that this situation, as weird as it is, hasn't gotten this weird until now. And so my point in all of that is if I were like if I were going to if my thumb was hurt and I needed to get it medically examined, I might do it on my own, not with the 49ers. Right. Yeah. He's turned. I mean, then he's going a little NBA player ish, which yeah. to me, I'd be I'd be out on him if I was the 49ers. And that well, would have led me to benching him. Yeah, well, benching him. I mean, if he's hurt, I'm not benching him. He's already hurt. He's well, I hurt. know. But I'm just saying like, OK, good, Jimmy. Stay away. We'll never see you again. For sure. For sure. And that's my, my second theory, which kind of leads into that leads into more I you know I think it's very plausible that tensions were very high after the game and things got said as you saw Jonathan Allen do you see him justify the pain thing he's like brothers fight do any of you guys mm-hmm. have brothers and I actually think listen heat of the moment those guys have probably known each other for how long I mean they, those guys might have known each other since they were like 16 years old right it's pretty unique situation for something that looked a little crazy he did put his finger in his face but to hit him on the side of the head. To, get him, him to me, you you poke like that, you get socked. You know, that's it, or you you have to be ready to get hit. Uh, but he is lucky that Jonathan Allen, who is like 320 pounds, did not connect to his face. I mean, that could have gone a full-on melee. I can imagine that things were said after that game because the tensions, what was on the line, how the game played out, everyone was edgy. The coach, the general manager, and the quarterback, like, if you watch his press conference, he was kind of smiley. Like, I don't think Kyler, Kyle was really smiley. So maybe some things get said. Not necessarily a fuck you, fuck you, but you just leave that game thinking, screw these guys. And yeah. maybe Kyle leaves the game, fuck this guy. Right. And then your, your finger starts hurting. Then you realize, like, I'm kind of over this. Then, over the period of time when... I don't know if he went to Chicago, was with his family. What do you think the conversations were like? Jimmy, 
you've done so much for this. This organization sucks without you. They drafted this guy and you keep carrying him. Who knows? That's how people talk, right? And then his finger starts hurting a little bit. Then the tweet happens and they're already, everyone's kind of on edge. Kyle probably like doesn't even care that much that the tweet's liked. John feels terrible. Jimmy goes double F you. He gets on the phone with old Yee, who has a bigger diva in Jimmy's situation than anything he's really had to deal with Tom, especially at the same age. And they just go, screw these guys. My finger hurts. Let's go get some x-rays. Sees a little off. Then I don't really know what happened on Monday. Maybe Kyle didn't quite know what was going on. And then all of a sudden... Which would be alarming. Which would be alarming, but that an NBA move would kind of be to double down. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll show up when I have to. And and Monday was a glorified nothing day, right? So he, maybe Jimmy didn't show. Maybe who knows what was going on. Kyle's kind of out of the loop. And he's like, yeah, I think his fingers hurt. We don't quite know what the severity is. Then 20 minutes after that, people start tweeting, while you and I are recording this emergency podcast, His he's got like mallet finger of the thumb. We're like, what is going on here? It was, and then, like you said, Mayoko, an old-school journo, was like, this is weird, because it was weird. And I think the weirdness goes back to Jimmy's camp. But So I think it's very plausible that he was benched. I also think it's very plausible that Jimmy was on edge after Kyle screamed at him, then the like tweet happens, and then he kind of, I mean, essentially, you know, if he can't throw, he can't throw, but... Well, you know, hold just, on, he's going to gut it out, on per reports. Yeah. Which felt a little of, propaganda-ish. The way very a little, <laughs> extremely propaganda-ish, and uh, you know it's something that makes it it makes you wonder if you're Kyle Shanahan, even if he can come out and throw the football well, you still don't necessarily want to play him. I mean, just think about it in these basic terms: you show up for work on Monday, and the quarterback's not there, and he doesn't have an advanced. You don't know why. You don't know all the details of why. Or you find out the details after the fact. Or you find out the details through the media. Like, that's a pretty... That's a... I'm not going to call it wild, but that's kind of crazy. If you're in the building, you go, where's our quarterback? Again, guy, that that does not really happen in the NFL. That is a, something that happens in the NBA. And and the coaches and executives hate it, but they have to take it. Right, like when you, when Kyrie's on your team, he dictates the term. In the NFL, even back to Brady, like he just—it's a team thing. He's the leader of the building. It doesn't. It's like where is so and so? It a cap. It occasionally happens in the NFL, and it's a massive story. Like so and so is missing. They don't know where he is. It's like the biggest story of the year. If, if you don't want that to get out, because it feels like your building's in shambles. But it's to me, I got this thing red flagged. I don't think it's as I don't believe the words that came out from everyone yesterday. I don't know if I'm right, but I know there's more to the story. And it does not behoove the Niners to leak their side. Jimmy clearly is leaking his side, at least you know from I, I'm injured, I can't play. But it it is a bizarre situation. It is. And it doesn't behoove the Niners to make it look bizarre either. It doesn't behoove them to make Jimmy look difficult or high maintenance. But I do right. think the situation led to what we all wanted. I, I know me per, speaking for myself personally, I, I didn't need to see Jimmy anymore. I, I, I've seen enough. Like, let's just, let's go. And I th- I just talked to a, a guy at the gym today, a diehard season ticket holder since the Keysar days, who said, like, do you think Jimmy's done? I said, yeah, I don't think we are ever going to see Jimmy Garoppolo in a 49er uniform. Whether they play two more games, whether they make the playoffs play a third game, 
It's Trey Lance's show moving on here. And I think everyone is ready for it. Let's go. It, and it might not go well. I mean, he could he could be terrible, but I, we're just ready for it. You know, well, I, don't I don't want Jimmy to get hurt. I, I would have rather, I mean, I, if he legitimately has a chattered thumb and it, you know, he's out for six months or something, who knows? I, I'm not rooting for that, but I am rooting. Like, if you told me before we ever heard of this story and we we're thinking, like, this was going to be our first podcast of the week, if you said, John, you can sign up for two things Jimmy Garoppolo to start against the Texans or Trey Lance to start against the Texans, it, I would have checked the Trey Lance box. Yeah, well. I don't think I don't I don't know who would there's five people who would have checked the other box. So even but people what, who but, but if my theory are my conspiracy theories and just they're all out there are off and he's just it's just as black and white as his thumbs fucked up, maybe Kyle didn't have all the information. If he's if he was one hundred percent healthy, do you think Kyle just Jimmy Garoppolo would have been the starter Sunday against the Texans? Would he have been out there at practice on Monday? If he were healthy, he would have been at practice Monday. Yeah, I guess what he if yeah he would have been a practice, but do you think he still would have been the starter after what happened on Thursday? Oh, um, I yeah, I'm inclined to believe he would have been the starter. It is plausible though, with the quote unquote little mini buy whenever you have the Thursday to the following Sunday. He he had been playing well in practice. It is understandable that maybe that yeah. was a time to transition it could be after all, a game like that. It, it could be all of that. He's been playing well in practice. Now I don't know if you get Fred Warner in on it. But to say that to Mayoko could be timed as a way to say, if we lose a game, we're going to Trey Lance. And it's because Trey's gotten better, right? Not because Kyle changed his mind, not because Kyle's admitting that he was wrong, but because Trey Lance got better. You would want to yeah. lay the groundwork for that. We could, You could make one like three-week conspiracy theory and put the whole thing together. Do you think it would be difficult to include Fred Warner in on your uh, in your orchestrated propaganda of Trey Lance? Balling Do he and Trey Lance have the same agent? I don't think Don Yee represents Fred. Would be my guess. Don Yee represents oh, Trey. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, Trey Lance. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's possible. You know, like when LeBron shows up at the of a college game of a kid who's going to sign with uh, Rich. Oh yeah, that type deal. Why he's always tweeting to tweets like, guys. When LeBron tweets like, Osaka, looking sick. And then it's like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, she's about to debut something on LeBron's platform. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, how about these three wide receivers for Alabama? And then clutch the lands two of them. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's orchestrated. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 think there's, I think there's a lot of legitimacy to these theories. I think if you take all of the theories away and go, the injury is one thing, and it sounds like it's different than what Kyle Shanahan said. That in and of itself is weird, period. Um, and well, I think it's a, I think it's a little impressive that we haven't that we've gone this long before it got this weird. Well, I think one thing that helps Shanahan and really John is they they don't they've been the opposite of the bulky administration, right? No leaking. They they are not in the business. Like Kyle does not give a shit whether the media likes him or not. And when I say that, I mean a lot of coaches do care about kind of sculpting the way their teams talked about. Like Kyle's not really into that. So regardless of the theories, whether he's you know truly shattered thumb or not, we just got to the right result. We are. We ended up. You know, hopefully. I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday. Jimmy can miraculously come back. I'm back. I'm good. Actually, no, no fracture. UCLA. I'm or UCL. I'm good to go. But it. it I think just Trey Lance for the next several weeks. And with the Saints losing, uh, the Niners are in pretty good shape to make the playoffs.
All right, let's talk about Trey Lance then and what he's going to look like. I say gonna because as we record this, we don't know if he's going to start. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, you know the answer to that question. But it would be surprising. I'd be surprised if Trey Lance is not the starting quarterback against the Texans. He's made one career start. He played another half against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. And the question is, is all of this talk about him being better for the last month going to result in him being better on the field? What kind of game could he play from a number standpoint? And will it be better than what we've seen from him statistically so far this year, where he's been a 52% passer? In uh, the game against Arizona, he was 15 of 29 for 192, did not throw a touchdown through a pick, also ran 16 times for over five and a half yards per carry, 89 rushing yards. Against Seattle, he was similarly around 50%, 9 of 18, 157, two touchdowns, no picks. He rushed seven times for 41 yards. Again, this time even better than the 5.6 yards per carry against Arizona. This was 5.9 yards per carry, although that game was first, I guess. I should have done them in reverse order. But anyway, so that's what he's been. What could he be in the game against the Texans, and what would we be looking for? Well, the 15 to 29, which is basically 50%, 50%. I remember, you know, a lot of people were like, well, there's some drops. There were some drops. There were also some remarkable catches, if I remember as well. Uh, I, I just think the accuracy, like, does he look more accurate? And part of being more accurate when you're a younger player, are you just more comfortable? Right? Because the more comfortable you are, you know, can he, you know, th- have some change up? Right? Part of it was a lot of those balls felt like he was throwing 99 mile an hour heaters. You know, and not every ball, and Herbert battles with this too. Like, not everything needs to be your hardest throw. Uh, it's easy, I think, sometimes, you know, on a little wheel route or whatever, but what even about like an out route where the, or a crossing route when the guy's not that far away from you? And to me, I'll just look immediately from just his poise. Does that lead to more natural throws? Like, when we watched him, and again, it was a completely different universe playing Division One AA, but he was very comfortable playing. And part of the Arizona game, and I think we talked about this on the emergency podcast, at the time, they were the best team in the league. I mean, they, they were humming, they were kicking everyone's ass, and the defense was really good. I mean, it is good. They, they have really good players, right? Chandler Jones, they have several linebackers, they had Isaiah Simmons. That, that That's one of the more physical collisions you'll see all season, right? The goal line of those two guys, given their size. We know how good Buda Baker is. Byron Murphy's a really good player. You, I'm sorry, did you say J.J.? Was he hurt in that game? Did he, he play that, that game? He, he might have gotten hurt in it, but he played in that. Was that the first time they played him? That was the first meeting. The second meeting was McC- Colt McCoy. Oh, you're right. You see, he definitely played in that game because he was working McGlinchey. Because I remember hearing John Lynch talk about it a couple weeks later that, like, yeah, McGlinchey had a rough game. And so that, you know, you're right. So they had their defensive line was humming. You know, Brandon Ayuk was nowhere near what he is now. So aren't they, and obviously Debo's in the peak of his powers and you alerted Kittle me didn't to play. this. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that because he had got hurt the previous week. So, you know, you can't, you can't really complain about the weapons, right? A lot of teams in the league would sign up for the weapons they have. Uh, I, I think he just got a score. It wasn't the final score of that game. 17 to 10. You know, can he lead just a couple touchdown drives, whether he throws them, whether he runs them in, whether they hand it off, can they score points? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's ultimately the goal of this thing. And I don't think you can depend on your defense. Maybe even get a turnover, which they did in that game, remember? It could have been a huge turning point, and they couldn't turn it into any points. You know, I I would say 
23 plus points you need to win the game. You know, I, I don't think you can just you can just be in the teens and feel if I told you right now they score 18 points, do you feel great about them winning the football game? Uh no. You know, the Texans are not uh the Cardinals on defense. The Texans won though last week with 10 starters out. 11 practice squad guys were activated and they had a new kicker that they'd signed that week. But what happened against the Chargers was the Chargers looked bad. The Chargers committed three turnovers, including a pick six. Um, and pick I think six you know, was at the end of the game, kind of pick six was at the end of the game. But um, I think it's I think it's very simply two things. First of all, I think they'll score twenty one points because I think if you look at what the Texans do, they give up they they give up scores on the ground. Niners love to run the football. I think we're looking. Elijah at Elijah Mitchell should be back this week. Elijah Mitchell, who played in that first game. You know, one thing we didn't get a lot of back when Trey played the first time was Debo Samuel as a running back, although he did um, he did pitch the ball once to Debo for a big gain, almost a touchdown. It looked like the classic Debo play. Just It was like at the 25, he got down to the two, run around left end, almost scored. Um, and Trey actually, with Debo in the backfield, had a big run that was negated by a penalty. I think we're looking at a much better game from Trey Lance. Um, I think going back and watching that game today, he threw the ball downfield a lot. Um, some of it was on scramble. And I do think it, I think it's interesting you bring up how hard he throws the ball. I think it's similar to Herbert in that it feels to me watching Justin a lot and watching Trey again that both of them throw their fastballs the hardest after they've extended plays. So it's not boom, boom, first read throws it too hard, so much as it is gets out of the pocket and extends a play because they know the arm they have can make up for some of, you know, for waiting a long time to throw the football, and then they really try to fire it in there. Uh, you're right. There were some great catches in that game. Ayuk only had two, but he had one incredible catch by the sideline. Debo had an incredible catch in that game. Mohamed Sanu, remember, had a drop on what would have been a big a big third down. I think it was like a third and 15 or something. And that game started with bad – like, to me, the Niners got down in that game because of two bad throws from Trey Lance. The interception on the first drive, which actually he did a great job getting out of the pocket, and then he let's maybe not throw it to Travis Benjamin so much. And then on the play that you were talking about, where he got crunched at the goal line trying to run in after a, it was not a design run on fourth was that down. On four, was that on fourth and one? It was fourth, fourth and goal. goal. Yeah. yeah. The first down play you might remember on that drive was a quick pass to Debo that was set up to maybe be a touchdown for Debo, and Trey Lance, you know, should have thrown yeah. it off Debo's front right hip or maybe at his numbers and threw it down below his butt on the backside. He couldn't catch it. So that resulted in eventually a failed fourth down attempt and three points for Arizona, and they led 10 nothing. I think we're looking at a much improved trade game against Houston, okay? Partly because I don't think Houston's that good. Like, I know Davis Mills has become hot. I'm pro Davis Mills. I know they beat the Chargers. The Chargers are untrustworthy. Not that the Niners are exactly trustworthy. You retweeted that Davis Mills is going to be the best quarterback of this draft. Oh, yeah, that was a fun tweet. That was Will Blackman's tweet from April. That It was an April tweet from Will Blackman oh, that I retweeted. Okay. I thought it was – I wasn't saying necessarily that I agree, but just I was giving somebody some credit for being on Davis Mills early. That was from April. Um, it made me laugh. Retweets are not a necessarily endorsements. Neither are likes, John Lynch. <laughs> In the words of John Lynch. Um, I'd make that as my Twitter bio. Yeah, I was thinking of changing it as well, but making it a quote, John Lynch. Uh, what do you think? We're at, we, well, we've been efforting to have him on the podcast. 
Uh, and he said to me about probably a month and a half ago he would come on. He just doesn't really do that much in season, besides what he's contractually obligated to. That's why I've been uh, I haven't taken any shots about his tweet on yeah, uh, smart. Online. That's good. But <laughs> you know? uh, it's it's uh, we're we're very understanding of of, of uh, social media, and mistakes, I agreed but... with the like. I mean, I was pro. <laughs> I, I I agreed with the sentiment behind the tweet. Butcherbox.com slash ham and another special deal. Free for a year. You get salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for a year, plus an additional 20 bucks off right now at butcherbox.com slash ham. Been telling you about it for years. Been eating it for years on a regular basis. Easily find high quality meat and seafood. You can trust 100% grass fed beef. Free-range organic chicken, pork-raised, crate-free, and wild-caught seafood. Always be prepared with meat in the freezer when you get ButcherBox.com slash ham delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping. ButcherBox is offering you free for a year plus an additional 20 bucks off either salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips in every order for free. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer for a year plus get $20 off your first order. What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park, been there a million times, never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app, your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game time app, promo code HAM. Save yourself $20. We don't even need a thank you. Just hammer that promo code. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I think I think we're looking at a. Can you do the math for me? I think we're looking at like a because um, I think part of this is about the attempts. You know, they got down in the Arizona game. He threw twenty nine passes. They were playing from behind. I think we're looking at like a sixteen of twenty for twenty five game. Okay, well, what what's the percentage 65. on that? Sixty five. That's more efficient. I think we're looking at a touchdown uh, throwing. I think we're looking at let's just take his two games over five yards of carry. I don't think it's going to be 16 carries necessarily, 
but maybe we're looking at, you know, 10, 11, 10 carries, 11 carries, 12 carries, somewhere in that range for 50 to 60 yards. I think he's going to play well, and I think they're going to win. Well, I think I think one thing that Jimmy did much better the, the year they were really good than he's done the last two years, it might just be the wear and tear. His ankles are giving out. I don't know. I mean, he's a weathered 30-year-old. Uh, is he did not really extend plays beside kind of in the pocket. He was not a big scramble, throw it guy, which like you said, even Russell's off right now, but Russell is a king of right. Moving to the right, moving to the left, looking down, letting it rip. Deshaun, obviously Herbert, the Mahomes, they're king of keeping plays alive behind the line of scrimmage. They're eventually going to throw. That's what this guy can do. Now, I think his natural inclination is going to be go like that to go deep. So can he hit some of those balls? And I think sometimes, like you said, with the Herbert thing, you know, Russell in the peak of his powers, it, it felt like 95% completion percentage when he was just got outside, he was going to let it rip. Deshaun Watson was really good at it. The, the completion percentage is really high for the Rodgers, really high. I don't, I mean, are you going to be confident every time he does that? Because part of it is like, I'm really talented. I got a huge howitzer. Let's let it rip. Like, hey, 1911. Yeah. Hey, hey, 85. Head toward the end zone, baby. Harder than <laughs> that. That, a, that is where it's just. Intercept. Yeah, you get, but you get 30 plus yards down the field. Sometimes the ball floats on you. Sometimes you underthrow. Sometimes the wide receiver just, and you see it a lot. It just, you guys aren't like one guy goes in, you think he's going out, or you think he's going right, he goes left. Remember the first game Odell Beckham played against the Niners? And Stafford's like, go. And, and all of a sudden, he goes the wrong way, and the ball just keeps going. It was Tart or Ward to just hit him like this. Yeah. And I, I don't blame Trey, but I, I think that's going to be a balancing act. It's one thing next year, week three, you got a lot of season left. Let's just work some things out. They can't really afford in like a 14-14 game second half, like a big pick, right? No, and it, I think Ultimately, you have to win. <laughs> this game is like Tennessee in that sense. If you don't turn it over... There was the only way the Niners were going to lose the Titans game was to turn it over, and they did. That was the only way. Twice. One in the end zone, one in the baby zone, red area. So I think this is like that game. If you don't turn it over, and I also think Tennessee was a lesson in this, executing Kyle Shanahan's offense, you don't win a Super Bowl just executing the offense. But you beat teams that you should beat just executing the offense, right? When you get into the Super Bowl, when you get into these big moments, the playoff games, the best teams, now it's also about Patrick Mahomes, the players making plays beyond the X's and O's. But to beat the Titans, that Titans team, it was just about executing the offense. To beat this Texans team, it's just about when the play gets drawn up that has Debo eight yards out ready to walk in, just hit them between the numbers, hit them between the numbers. That plus not turning it over beats the Texans. So it's it really is. I think it's that simple this week, and so that's where it's like the fun of Trey versus that's not what you need this week necessarily. It doesn't mean he may not bring it, but this is where I think Ayuk being more in rhythm probably than he was then. Debo definitely, Kittle coming off a two catch game. I would imagine George Kittle's going to get more than three targets this week, so uh, that helps a massive amount. And this guy's played football, and he's been practicing. He's been with the if, – if sitting gets you anything, he's been doing a lot of good sitting since the last time he played. What about, I would imagine, early on in the season, a guy that he got to rep a lot with, now he probably hasn't seen in the last month, 
would be Jawan Jennings. Could be a sneaky Jawan Jennings, like five six target game, a little action. You just you have a rapport with him. Yeah, you, know, oh. you, used to, you saw him for a while, you know, in practice until they stole yeah. him away from you once uh, a couple injuries happened. Yeah, just less awesome. Travis Benjamin, I'd say. Yeah, let's just let's just leave Travis Benjamin on the sideline in street clothes. You know, I just because I, I think it's hard for Kyle. Like he sees him, he's like, throw him in. It's like Kyle, has this guy made a play in five years? Like you, you have, you know, two of the best players in the league. <laughs> I, just go twenty-five targets to nineteen and eighty-five. Zero targets to the other guy. Someone I, we get a lot of DMs about the game last week. It's still like a kind of a hot topic. Every time. They, I think it was 16 targets AJ Brown got. They could have easily given him 25, and they wouldn't have. They would have won by more than three. Like the Niners benefited, and I, I don't know why coordinators do this. Like we got to mix in a good outside zone here on second and five. No, you don't. Throw it to 11 because every time they drop back, it's like, oh my god. You know, luckily AJ Brown does not play for the Houston Texans, right? Yeah. That's right. Who is, I mean, who do they have? Like Brandon Cooks? Well, Brandon, Brandon Cooks didn't play last week. COVID protocols. That's, I mean, if he's healthy, not a great matchup for the Niners guys, right? No, no, <laughs> it's not. But again, like I, you just, you, you're you not going to win every game with a shutout. Like they didn't for all that AJ Brown did. How many points? Did he the had one yeah, he had one touchdown. Now one, one element that, what didn't he have? Like sixth first third downs or you said seven. I mean, it was, they were incredible him. on third down. Yeah, they were. But so him re- specifically, I think seven of his like 11 catches were third downs. Wow. Texans been really good on third down the last two weeks against bad third down teams. Yeah, I, I, I have a hard time seeing Rex Burkhead get loose. But again, it's just me again. Yeah. Now he's at the top of the scouting report. I thought yeah. Rex Burkhead and I'm sure he thought like this is my last like little five million dollar signing from my guy Casario, you know? <laughs> You see Matt Flynn, someone, he tweeted last night, like, someone should have given me a call. And someone tweeted at him, like, you remember when Seattle wasted all that money on you? And then his reply was like, hell yes, best, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, I do. That was really good. <laughs> uh, I think this leads us to another question, which is, is Kyle Shanahan ready for Trey Lance? Is he ready to call plays for Trey Lance? Last we heard Kyle Shanahan analyzing his uh, time with Trey Lance, he said it was hard for him. And he, he underestimated how hard it would be for him, right, to mix Trey in and call an offense for Trey Lance when the defense is playing defense differently for two different quarterbacks. So has Kyle figured things out since then? Well, I mean, I, I just think it's going to be much easier to run the plays that he wants to run with a guy that has a better understanding of what they're doing because we talked about this years ago, and we have a lot of new listeners since then, because, I mean, a hot topic those first couple weeks when Jimmy Garoppolo got traded, like, he doesn't know the offense, it's not fair. And we kept going back to Matt Ryan saying, like, it took him a year to learn the offense, right? And they had to spend the summer getting on the same page. It is a complicated offense, right? I mean, the guys talk about it around the league. It's If you're still bullish on the Rams and McVay only scratching the surface, that would be the pushback, right? They are going to be dramatically better next season running the offense. He was a guy from a smaller school, I mean, it's, I, I understand they ran a pro-style offense and he was used to being under center, but it's a pretty big, I would say, jump going from whatever his offensive coordinator was at North Dakota State. And I'm not trying to talk shit about those guys at all. They kick ass, they take names, they win national championship after national championship. But going to Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, and the verbiage of the offense, even if he's repping all the team reps with the scout team and not Jimmy, like you said on the emergency pod, He's still the backup quarterback, so he's still getting the game plan in a three-ring binder and on his iPad. And he's still, every single day, 
of the week sitting there with McDaniel, with Shanahan, with the receivers in the meetings, right? Going over the verbiage, the plans, what's what's expected on every play from the previous week to what's being installed. The pre like he's sitting right there now. I, you know, probably separated, uh, you know, some distance or whatever. Uh, the you watch the Colts hard knocks. They uh, they have their meeting, their team meeting in the bubble. <laughs> it's just. It's, what do you mean the bubble? Like there's a, a like, like an outdoor pr- bubble? Yeah, I think they have a practice bubble and they put all the chairs. What is oh, what it okay. looks like? But there's just an element of he has to dramatically know more than he did two months ago of what's expected in this offense and how the offense operates. Because for the most part, the last couple months they, they run like they, like we all say all the time. They're not running trick plays. Like they they run variations of the same plays over and over. They work, they have really good players, and the the play caller is really good at the timing of the given plays. But wouldn't you say most week in, week out, I guess inst- they, they've added the Debo at running back element, but their plays are have been very similar over the last Kyle Shanahan era of what they look like? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that... Co- I mean, I'm not diminishing its complications, but... Ultimately, week in, week out, they run a a base set of of plays and formations. And they really have the Shanahan's entire lives, right? I wonder His offense, I remember I remember being with the Eagles and we played the Houston Texans with him and Kubiak. Now they they were much more consistent running just like outside zone. I would say the 49ers run a let, little less of the true just outside zone. Peyton Manning used to do this, right? You run as fast as you can as the quarterback and you hand it off and the guy goes. And then he can also cut it back. The Niners haven't run that play as much as like they run the toss play and now they run to Debo. Someone's going to get killed, but hopefully, <laughs> I mean, I would I would not let Debo run that play. Well, I do wonder if when Kyle was on the plane from the Justin Fields pro day drawing up plays for Trey Lance, if he was drawing up Trey Lance, Debo Samuel run plays, I wouldn't imagine he was drawing up that many. I don't think he expected to have to use Debo Samuel as a running back as much as he had this year. And I wonder if in the last month he has added some of that to what he would do because he's added it to the to the game plan yeah, for the Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. So, of course, he's added it to the game plan for Trey Isn't Lance. that kind of collegiate, like something you would see at Ohio State or at Florida or at Alabama when they yeah. just have two, a I, remarkable running quarterback and just an, a remarkable, like a Jalen Waddle. Oh, the Waddle, two of them, yeah. You know, or like yeah. Justin Fields and you know, Alave, you would just, you would make some unique plays for those two guys, right? Maybe an option. Who knows? How would you not have thought about that over the last month? Or yeah. So? D- ideally you don't have to do it, but it's like Kyle, I think deserves a lot of credit for finding ways to get his best. But what do every offensive coordinator you've ever worked with heard talk at a press conference? They all say the same thing. Just got to get the ball to our playmakers in space, you know, help our playmakers in a position to make plays, get our playmakers the ball. So Kyle's done that with Debo. So this is better with Trey Lance running some of those plays that, because you don't have to give it to Debo every time. And I think it creates, ideally what it creates for Trey is some runs because I think we'd agree the a lot of the runs that he had by design were high contact runs. I mean, fourth down runs up the gut, a fourth and he had a, they had a third and eight where they ran it with him and then ran it again with him on fourth and two and they didn't pick up the first down. Remember, he was injured of, after he was injured after the game. Was not available right. the next couple of weeks. The knee. So I I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, he hasn't even officially been named the starter, which 
I, I, I expect... Well, the Niners don't leak to Schefter, but like they'll just announce like he's the starting. Well, I think we'll get week. some information Wednesday, right? If Garoppolo's that's out what, there that's what, practicing, that's that's what I mean. Or just yeah. like Trey Lance can be a starter. Trey Lance will talk to the media because part of it has always been like early on, we're like, is, could Trey start? But Jimmy would always talk to the media because the starting quarterback has to talk on Wednesdays. Is that uh, big picture? Can he just have back to back healthy games? Because he didn't. He had made one start, and he was. You know, if he was the starter, he would not have been available the following week. Right. That's That feels like a lifetime ago, but that did happen. But a little like Jimmy, he just looked fine after the game, and then it was just a, an injury that kind of popped up. There's he, been a lot of I theories mean, it, about quarterback I, injuries this year. I, I got to go back and watch. He's not a big slider, right? No. I mean, that's that's not really – He's uh, he's a Ricky Anderson diver. Yeah, and he's not, you know, I think one of the questions with him is just has he gotten a little more decisive in the run game? Did the experience of playing NFL football, you know, help him in terms of, I think you and I both felt he, that he felt a little uncomfortable in the run game initially, but he hasn't had that many opportunities. I mean, what are we talking about? 20 carries around that, maybe a little more in his career. So... I- I, I would imagine, and I don't even know if this is the right way to describe it, but an insecurity, uh, a level of confidence that just it's impossible for it to be there, right? You just kind of feeling yourself Absolutely. out, right? You just feel yourself out, and then you're like, okay, I can do this. And then you're like, I think I can run this guy over, and then you don't. You're like, yeah, I probably need to avoid that. I mean, there's yeah. just a there's a balancing act of, or maybe it's just as simple as like, well, you got to pick your spots. If you're going, if you see Ambry Thomas there, yeah, run him over. If you see Isaiah Simmons, who was the seventh pick in the draft, and is six foot four, 240 pounds who runs a four, four, you know, who beat ETN in a race. Like he might beat you to the spot. You know, it's just part of it is there, there had to be a lot going on, right? <laughs> you know, in a couple years you'll have scouting reports. You're like, well, when I see Buda Baker there, when I see Jalen Ramsey there, or when I see X player there, he just, he just sees probably players, the game plan. And it might be like that. I mean, it's going to be like that this week. There's just any time, like, you're starting for the first time. You're seeing players. Also, when you did not play Division One football, most of these guys, like, you've never played against. There, There is an element. How many players do you think, like, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Najee Harris, Nick Bosa, over their careers in their rookie year, just like, oh, I played against those seven guys, right? right. Every week, you know? I was like, oh, I know these six guys when I go across the field after the game. Or just yeah. the basic thing, like, when you get the game plan, like, hey, this is your offensive tackle. You're like, oh, I played this guy three years uh, at Iowa. Like, just, well, how about I the two? Well. The, uh, how about the two uh, football teamers, Jonathan Allen and what's his name? They're literally teammates. Remember when Alabama uh, guys. W- when Crosby? Who'd they play? Some backup tackle ended up, and it was the guy that it was Crosby's teammate at like Western Michigan. Remember that or Central Michigan? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I forget. Yes, the I do remember that. Play. Well, the other day we did have Dylan Radden start an NFL game. Was that Sunday Night Football? The former North Dakota, it was like he played with Trey Lance. But yeah, yeah it was yeah. West. It was, it was. Well, but his school has produced NFL players. I just don't know how many NFL players they play on their schedule every year, right? He'll be like, oh, those are my teammates from North Dakota State, the three practice squad guys, the two guys playing in the league. But like, does South Dakota State, does UC Davis, does Weber State, you know, to me, that's the biggest difference when you just play in the SEC for three years. I mean, can you imagine the amount of NFL players? If you're just a starting SEC player for multiple years, the amount of NFL players that you see once you get to the NFL yeah. on a on a weekly game plan. 
Well, I mean, it's, you know, the best players play on the best teams. Those teams win national championships. The best players then go to the NFL. Uh, Brian on uh, YouTube says, you guys do a really good job of talking about the potential negative situations with Trey and don't really spend time on how potentially good he can be. There's both, you know. You know, uh, that's a misconception, a false, a falsity. It's untrue. And uh, it annoys me. It actually annoys me a lot. Uh, someone who 20 minutes ago just gave my line on how good I think he's going to be. But if you haven't noticed, most rookie quarterbacks don't come out birthing looking like Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, MVP, or Tom Brady. Like, it's hard. There's a lot they have to work through. Yeah, but fully birthed. Like, there, there is a lot to overcome. And I think part of being a young quarterback in the league is actually about avoiding the mistakes and getting an opportunity to build on the positives and then getting a little more confident and getting a little more confident. That's what it's about today. That's what we're talking about today. We're not talking about Trey Lance three years from now. We're talking about Trey Lance today, this week. A guy who's been a – again, I'm going to say this in a negative way, It's but he's been a 52% passer. So what is this about? It's about let's get to 60. Let's get to 58, right? Let's not throw the turnover on the first possession and, and then the team's playing from behind. These are basic things. But we talk about this with all the quarterbacks. That's it. Like when you when you talk about a lot of games, guess what? You don't say if they can if Tom Brady can just go out and throw for three fifty. No, it's like can Matt Stafford not throw three interceptable balls today? That's going to go a long way to winning the football no. game. So a lot of it with young players is about minimizing mistakes and then taking advantage of the good opportunities they have. And I think on a fundamental level, this Niners run game is better than it was when Trey Lance last played. Part of the reason it's gotten better is that George Kittle is back and healthy, right? I think Kyle Shanahan is in a much better rhythm for whatever reason, whether it's Ayuk is in a rhythm, whether it's Kyle was bad and now Kyle is good, whether it's they found other ways to use Debo, whether it's Kittle is healthy. But their offense from a play-calling standpoint, I think you'd agree, is in a much better rhythm now than it was at the beginning of the year, even with Jimmy. Facts. So I, I think Trey's walking into a better situation than he was in when the year started, when he played against Arizona. Uh, on a simple level, he's he has practiced with the 49ers more today than he did back when he made his first career start. So he should be naturally better in that regard. And I think to a to a little bit of a degree, part of I think Kyle was covering a little bit when he said it was hard to call offense. I think part of the reason it was hard is that he, he didn't quite know what to trust with his quarterback, right? He didn't really have a lot of body of work to know, here's all the things I can do with Trey. We know that Kyle, you have to earn his trust, and you can lose it real quick as a quarterback. He'll, he will kneel on the football with 48 seconds left in the half like that. And so I think he's got to have a better feel. Now, Kyle, I think it's on Kyle to have used, because his backup quarterback is Trey Lance. Like, here we are now at the end of December, we can't get to the post-game press conference with Kyle saying, hey, I don't have a great feel with how to how to call plays for him. Like, this is part of – he's been your backup quarterback, not your third stringer. So this has to have been part of figuring this out, is being ready for this situation. I, I just think, Guy, experience matters. Whether you're doing this podcast, we've been doing this thing now six years. Whether you're a starting wide receiver, Debo Samuel started for four years in the SEC. Now he missed time because of injuries, but he was a senior. Senior. And then he got to the league, and by about midseason on a on a Super Bowl team, he was kicking ass and taking names. Ayuk didn't have as much experience. Really just got to shine for one season in a bad Pac-12. It's taking him some time, right? Kittle is a good example. Fucking fifth-year senior at Iowa. 
right? When he got to the NFL, he immediately could block. And then they figured out how to use him as a, like he could just play. And Trey Lance, of all the players that like we've ever seen get drafted that high, probably is one of the most unique backgrounds we've ever seen, given the level of comp and given because of COVID, his season was canceled. And then he was only really there two seasons, and one of them he redshirted. Because it turns out they have the best, they're the Alabama of D1AA, and they had an NFL quarterback. So he didn't even play, right? I mean, it, it's a little Trubisky-ish. But even Mitch, he was at North Carolina for three years. Now he redshirted, backed up, and then he got to start. But that's it's an extra year longer than Trey. Like, Trey missed a season. The season did not happen. So then he gets to the NFL, and you're just already just behind the eight ball of just reps. Re- if anyone that knows a football coach, whether it's in high school, college, or the pros, the word reps gets used over and over. And when I got into this business with you, you talk about reps in media stuff. But it's no different when I scouted. Like, you get better the more reps you have writing up players. You get better selling. If you're a car salesman, the more cars you sell, the more reps you get. Reps matter in every aspect of life. It just, it's a fact. It's not even debatable. It doesn't mean that early on before your reps get to like 10,000 hours or whatever, you can't have success, Right. but you tend to be an outlier, especially in like higher level industries, higher level competition, right? It's just, it's just a fact. And so there's nothing wrong to be like, this guy's going to need some time. Hell, I was texting with an NFL exec the other day talking about Herbert and his comment was like, it's, the guy just needs some reps. Like the more NFL reps you get, like at this point in time now, think of the reps Mahomes has relative to Herbert. This is fourth year as a starter, right? At the highest level, they've been kicking ass and taking names from day one. He's every rep he's had. We talk a lot about Stafford. His reps have kind of been the opposite. Like they've none of them have mattered. When's the last time Mahomes has had a rep in a game that did not matter? Has that has it happened? <laughs> Well, I mean, his week 17 rep mattered, right? When he was Alex Smith's backup and played in a yeah. game that didn't matter, but the reps mattered, right? But but once he became the starter, has he really taken a snap that didn't oh, matter? Because even in some of the I random mean, games they played argue, as right, the game's gone on, been, they've been the hunted, though. Yeah. I mean, he's played some snaps like they didn't matter. No, I'm not saying he's perfect. But my point is, legitimately, of the 16 games for three straight years, 80% of them were just big games, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, every time that he doesn't play a shitty team, the game matters because the team's trying to beat him. And they play on prime time. But Lamar, they just have a ton of reps. And those guys already had a lot of reps playing in college. And you just improve. Like, Patrick Mahomes now is better than the Patrick Mahomes that won the MVP. That's a fact. He just understands more football. And he's going to be better in two or three years. No different than Aaron Rodgers is better at playing NFL football. Tom Brady talks about all the time. Like football's easier now than it was 15 years ago. 15 years ago, he's like the 07 Pats quarterback. One of the greatest teams we've ever seen. So it's just, it, so part of it is just unknown. You know, we in the scouting world, people get very nervous with one-year starters, even if the one year their tape is worthy of like a top 15 pick. Because you're just like, well, is this? That's why it is easier with the Herbert who has four years, right? Or a guy like, you know, I think Kenny Pickett's been starting for a long time. Guys that have a large body of work. But you still, the reps, I was watching last night, Ian Book against Miami. And Ian Book, I didn't realize this. Maybe I did, but I definitely forgotten that he's from Sacramento, Oak Ridge. 
and obviously he went to Notre Dame, was a several-year starter there. And he's an athletic guy. He ran a 4-6. And I looked up his, his Notre Dame stat page. He had ran for 17 touchdowns in college. Now, obviously, I'm sure if we went back and did a highlight pick, like not all of those, some were probably quarterback sneaks, but I would imagine some of them were 10, 20-yard runs, right? He is an athletic guy. And, and there were several times last night where I think he's used to kind of running and probably being, even at Notre Dame, and they play a big-time schedule, being one of the better athletes on the field, probably every team they played besides like Alabama. And Christian Wilkins, Wilkinson, who's from Clemson, who's, you know was a former first-round pick of Miami, a couple times he tried to run away, and it was clear, like, I don't think you're faster than this guy. And once the linebackers got in space, it was like, bro, you cannot... You, and I don't even blame him, but you don't... The speed of the game is in a different world. And this guy played at Notre Dame, who made the playoffs multiple times when he was the starting quarterback. Now do Trey Lance, North Dakota State, playing Weaver State. Even if he's going to be an all-time really good player for the next decade, these it's a learning process. The Arizona game was a learning process. He's lucky. His one game, to me, came against, at the time, a big-time powerhouse defense. And they still are. I mean, he went against a really good defense. Like, his, his one rep was not against the Jags. Right or the Chargers, <laughs> it was against a team that athletes everywhere. Yeah, and he had a. I would say he had one of the moments that really stand out of the season. Right, that goal line collision where he lost, where it looked like he was absolutely going to score. If you go back and watch it, it looked. Of course, he's going to score. He's going to walk he's, in. Do you think he's ever lost that collision in his life? No, can't have. I don't think he's ever I would imagine if we stopped all the film in the moment where he's almost going to score he's never gotten met at the goal line like he did. It was wide open. He was going to score and then it just closed. It was over. There's a moment in Monday night football where Ian Book's racing out of the pocket and Steve Levy's like, "Ian Book, good at. Don't forget he's a good athlete." And he just immediately goes from good athlete to swallowed up cuz it's a lot faster in the NFL. He's a good athlete in college. He's a good athlete. Period humanity he's probably a plus athlete among quarterbacks but quarterbacks that are of his athletic ability know they can't get away when they well, and, and part of it in the way the game is built now and the, the athletes and the, the way they train now it's a much faster game like d- defensive tackles that have come in the league the last four or five years run for sixes you know like the guy the the, the middle linebacker that runs five five flat doesn't exist the linebackers run four five the nickel corners run four four some of the defensive ends run four five, like that. Th- those are just the athletes now. So it's just there's a speed element to the game of football that is just it's net. You could say it's 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 softer now than it was for sure. I mean, just because they've led, it has never been faster though. It has never been faster. Uh, John, another piece of news as we're talking here that we can uh, react to. It looks like Trey Lance is all the more in line to be the 49ers starter. Aaron Wilson tweeting. Tyler Bray, Colby Wadman, and James Smith worked out for the 49ers. Now, that would seem to indicate that they're going to need another quarterback on the roster. Um, I can confirm that we know that Tyler Bray is an NFL quarterback. I bullshit with him like a month, uh, a couple months ago. I know. Did uh, you see him at a dance party? Concert? Yeah. John Party. Joan uh, and, uh, you know, he was the backup. He was the third stringer for the Bears last year. Colby Wadman, UC Davis. Colby Wadman, UC Davis, Thousand Oaks, California. Um, that's where he went to high school. And uh, not a lot in terms of his NFL career waived by the Broncos April of 2020. 
And then James Smith, I'm not going to lie. I'm not even trying to be funny. I'm not positive is a quarterback. I need some help. Uh, usually Google comes through in the clutch. But all the James Smiths I'm finding are, um, this one's a defensive end. We've got another one that's a uh, receiver. Here's one from Cincinnati. That's a punter. Looks like, looks like a Kyle guy. That that was a punter. Uh, oh, that actually, that makes sense. Mitch is out. COVID. Okay, yeah. so Aaron Wilson was also tweeting about a punter. All right, well, well that was confusing. Well, but uh, Colby well, Wadman well, and Tyler Bray. Well, the one thing I would say is it could be for Jimmy's injury. It also could be as simple as you just need to start working out some guys because Jimmy is not going to be on the team. And you're going to need some quarterbacks in the offseason. So you just, you know, part of this next couple weeks for some teams is you just want to have some guys to sign immediately after the season just that you have on your roster. So when you come back for OTAs that, you know, guys maybe you have liked. Now, this one feels a little bit like they could get into a pinch really fast if something happened to Trey, right? And you went to Sudfeld, like, who's your other quarterback? They don't have one. And Josh Rosen, I don't think is available because he's on the – He's on the Atlanta real roster, so he would be a guy that, to me, you would bring back because he knows the playbook, right? Uh, Razor Ramen all over it. Colby Wadman is a punter. Okay, Wadman's a punter, too. I wish Aaron hadn't put the quarterback in with the two punters. Threw me off, so I apologize. So Bray is your – Tyler Bray's still a quarterback, right? Yeah, Rosen's on the Falcons. I, I Tyler Bray's a quarterback. The guy looked like a punter, but you said he was a quarterback, so I just went with it. I would have you know, felt I, like if a UC Davis had a quarterback that was a fringe NFL guy, we would have heard I, about him. But they I had a team, I, so I don't. Know. I would have failed this part of the SATs where they throw in the quarterback to make you think the other two were quarterbacks. So, but I would say this: Tyler Bray, Tyler Bray being worked out by the 49ers is an indication that they think they might need another quarterback this week. Bye bye. Unless Jimmy. there's another punter named Tyler Bray. No, I think Tyler Bray is the uh, former kid from the Valley who went to Tennessee with Lane Kiffin, who then Lane left and uh, went on to start several years in the SEC. Loved by Andy Reid and Matt Nagy. Somehow has like a seven-year NFL career. I don't. I don't think he's made many starts either. But he's played in the NFL for a long time. Uh, 13, 14, 15, 16, that's four, 17, 18, 19, 20, that's eight, plus this year. So he's appearing in his ninth year in the NFL. Now, some of those are practice squad years, but when you introduce yourself, and I, I told him this, I'm like, bro, your greatest asset, whenever you introduce someone, I'm an, I played in the NFL for, I mean, I, I eight years, nine years. Like that is, it's not, you know, I got a training camp, eight Nine years? Like, who'd you play for? Oh, the Chiefs and the Bears? You mean, was Andy there? Yeah, Andy was there the whole time. <laughs> I was Alex Smith's backup one year. Has to be incredible to be eight years in the league, six pass attempts. That can't have been done many times. Well, the practice squad uh, rules were changed mid-career that probably extended a guy like him, which he should be very grateful for. Because yeah. when I first got to the league, the guys like that had two-year careers. Right. You don't. You You can't. He led an underrated football life from a little town in the Valley to go multiple years starting at the SEC at Tennessee. And yeah, then he was a big deal. NFL I remember that when one. he came out. When he went to Tennessee, it was a big deal. Kingsburg. Because he was a big prospect. A big guy. Yeah, he had a couple... I remember vividly one like historic win he had. You know, it, I mean, they, I don't think their teams were that great, but it was like an overtime game, CBS, and he threw a touchdown. He probably had some pretty cool probably moments like Florida in Florida or something. Yeah. Um, an update on what the Raiders could face this week, John, with Carson Wentz in COVID protocols. However, 
Adam Schefter reports the NFL and the NFLPA are close to adopting a new CDC guideline that would reduce quarantine time to five days from 10 days uh, for all players, including those who are unvaccinated, which does apply to Wentz. Agreement could be done today per sources. So I guess if he tested negative Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No, Tuesday. Well, today's Tuesday. Didn't he test positive today or did he test positive yesterday? Uh, yeah, I don't know. He could play, I, th- I think, is what is the point, right? Would you be shocked if by in a couple days that they have the rule where if you test twice in 24 hours, unvaccinated or vaccinated, you're in? Uh, to me, that feels like that's coming. No, I would not be shocked at all. I would expect Carson Wentz to play Sunday. In a game, Which, I mean, they need I, him to. I think the Raiders are going to freak when that happens. That the rules happen to change. I suggested they change the NFL trade deadline so that you can do trades now. And uh, the Colts could then get Nick Foles. And everyone's like, Nick Foles, how about Jimmy Garoppolo? And Raider yes. fans, I got a bunch of Raider replies. like, of course this would happen to us. <laughs> yep. You know, the, yeah, the Raiders, The uh, I think no team has benefited more from pass interference calls than the Raiders, according to Josh Dubow. They must only be. It must be road games where they're wearing their white jerseys. Everyone tells me they get penalized all the time. But I, I had the thought today because I've been on a kick just ripping on Brandon Staley because I think he's just he gets way too much love. When the media loves you that much, I, I just I, I I have to nitpick you. And then when you tweeted out that he has the thirty second ranked, I mean, guy, he's he's Mike Nolan this year. They're that bad on defense. They have the second. They allow the second most points in the league. The only team that allows more points is the Jets, who I think have have the worst defense in the history of the Jets this year under Robert Sala. That's Brandon Staley. And he has nothing to do with Justin Herbert because he's the defensive coordinator. So I give him no credit for his quarterback, who's having a worse year than he had last year. But like, regardless, like they are a quarterback-led team that their head coach has nothing to do with, that the media fucking adores, who sucks. Like, what he's doing... Is just like I saw Jerry Jones give Mike a lot of credit today. In fairness to Mike, like he can just claim that he oversees it all, right? It's like I'm just I'm I'm everywhere, right? I know Brandon. I watch the games. He's calling the plays on defense, and his defense stinks. And if you want to tell me, well, they don't have what do you mean? They have like seven top fifty draft picks on defense. He doesn't get to coach this year, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. He's got to make some kind of some random guys improve, and it's just not working out. I think he is. Did we talk about the, He made a comment the other day, a couple weeks ago, about Joey Bosa, who, kind of like Nick, uh, got dinged. So he goes you know, to the independent neurologist, and they clear him. And he didn't put him back in the game. And, Brandon, and they lost. That was a the game they lost to like, the Bengals. And he comes after the game. He says, as long as I'm the head coach here, we will lean being cautious. It's like, well, he was cleared. Like, it happened to Nick, right? He got cleared. You put him back in the game. He he acted like concussions meant more to him. It's like, you're such, that is such a comment. You just lost. And it's just, I, I, I the guy's such a fraud, man. I don't mean necessarily, exact, I think he's an okay coach or whatever, but his comments, did, and the media just ate it up like, this guy. So you're telling me, Brandon Staley cares more about concussions and the health of his players than every coach in the league history? Because that's what he just said. It's just as he lost, and then he keeps losing. He just keeps losing <laughs> defensively. They just ran for 200 yards against him. Like, they have right now the same record as the Las Vegas Raiders. How is that possible? Every single person I know in the NFL, every single one, and I know several that are on the best team in the league in Kansas City or the best team in the AFC, 
they love Justin Herbert. You and I are not alone. The Justin Herbert bandwagon guy in the league is long. And that's his quarterback. And their team has the same record as the Raiders. Are, well, I had the thought in the shower before we hopped on. Are they one of the more, and their record's not terrible, it's 8-7. and seven. Are they one of the more underachieving teams in the league? Shouldn't they be like an 11-12 win team right now? Well, they went 7-9 and nine last year, and they changed coaches because that wasn't good enough. And it wasn't Herbert that was the problem. Now, they did look different, even though it's one game different. I watched them a lot last year. I've watched them a lot this year. The game management stuff was bad. They had special teams issues, too, remember? But, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. But Anthony Lynn was 531 in four years, winning percentage as the head coach. Right? If they don't win out, um, their record's not going to be that far off from last year's record. They do get the Broncos and the Raiders the last two weeks, so I mean it's inc- it's conceivable right, well, they, gotta, they go ten and seven. We got to beat them, but you know, I'm, who knows? I mean, it, who know who who's to say who's going to be on the team on Sunday? I don't know. Wouldn't you, they just have not you, built themselves at all any sort of cushion? To me, if they miss the playoffs, that's one of the big. Like if the Ravens miss the playoffs, Harbaugh would be like, "Yeah, we had seventy five million injuries. Yeah, I went for two a couple times." Because Brandon Steele be like, yeah, I went for two a couple times. No, bro. You gave up rushing yards to literally every running back you played. He had career days. You could not stop a nosebleed. And you had Justin Herbert. Because even Harbaugh would be like, yeah, Lamar Jackson disappeared, I don't know, multiple times during the season. <laughs> last time I checked, Herbert hasn't missed a game. If they lose one of these last two games, the Raiders or the Broncos, and miss the playoffs, to me, that's one of the bigger head scratchers of the year. Especially at a 17 now? Well, absolutely. Because they... Are they in the playoffs right now? Um, I think that they aren't... Actually, I don't know. I have to look. I'm looking up right now. Um, especially because last year they made a statement when they fired a 7-9 coach who had a great rookie quarterback and said, this is not good enough. Just being... They, they, they are not because the Dolphins jumped them. Yeah, the AFC and, is just... And the Ravens are ahead of them. Like you can in the NFC. In the NFC, you can screw, you can screw around a little bit. You cannot in the AFC. Honestly, if the Dolphins, they could, the Chargers are no lock to even if they win out to make the playoffs. Two are better than Herbert. You know, question has to be asked. Do you think Flores would like a redo? You know what's, uh, yes. So, so, but it, it, you know, my my pushback on that is like, so would Ron Rivera. Do you think he? Do you think uh, Herbert gets past number two because he doesn't? Because <laughs> remember, Ron took Chase. Ron would be like, yeah, we'll take Justin Herbert. If we're, we'll, tell me when that redo draft is. I'll I'll, uh, I'll drive right there. Just to be like, no, 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 I'm good here. I'm good here at SoFi. <laughs> Instead of playing for the football team without a logo. Uh, today's the first day you can start talking to other teams' coaches. And according to Aaron Wilson, the Raiders are expected to look at multiple head coaching candidates, including Todd Bowles, Leslie Frazier, Gus Bradley, and Rich Basaccia, according to league sources. Uh, we also saw a couple of those names and Doug Peterson connected to the Jags job where GM Trent Balky has a coach to hire. But uh, what do you think of this uh, this Raider list? Well, there's no offensive guys on that list, right? Defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, their own defensive coordinator, and their current interim coach who's a special teams coach. Is that a little weird to you? Does that feel kind of mayaki? Uh, it feels like a made-up list to me. I mean, it's, you know... I, I don't think it means a whole lot of anything. It's the first day of. I, I think it's let's let's talk to the people that somebody knows or that we know. Um, I don't think that's anything close to the complete list. You know what I mean? 
if you told me those guys share the same agent plus Rich, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Do you feel confident that Mike Mayock is going to be the guy picking the coach? Well, I'll tell you this. If one of these guys were to be hired, I would say Mike Mayock's still the GM. I agree. Like Todd Bowles isn't bringing his own GM. I I just... Are they really going to hire one of these? And retreads not a fair word because, you know, Andy Reid, Bill Belichick are retreads, right? Pete Carroll's a retread. Like, but these guys feel a little bit different than uh, Andy Reid and Pete Carroll. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, Gus Bradley, we saw it. Like, Gus Bradley's a number two. I was around Todd Bowles for a year. Do you know the best part about being a number two in the NFL guy? You know, being a coordinator, especially one of the good ones? You What's make that? like $3 million a year. <laughs> And you just have to do one press conference. You have to deal with a lot of bullshit. Like, I, like there's nothing wrong with being... I, I would get way back in the day when you make way less money. You make so much cash now. Gus Bradley's probably making $2.5 million. Todd Bowles is probably the highest paid defensive coordinator in the league. Arians gets to deal with all the bullshit. His defense just kicks ass. Gets to live in Florida, no state income tax. Be a head coach, and then I, I get you double your money. I'm not an idiot, but... It's not like you're leaving a high-paying job with a lot less stress. Coach of the Raiders? You have to be a head coach, though. And it pays a lot more. No, I know. I mean, I'm, I'm not an idiot. I get, I get that, but... Because guess what happens when you fail as head coach? I just... I'm also... You go back hired. to being a coordinator is the answer. You just go back well, to being a coordinator and making that money again. Don't love hiring defensive guys in this modern-day league. Like, the Raiders' defense is fine. Just keep Gus and hire an offensive coach. You're not going to Yeah, I mean, Peterson? is Gus getting hired by somebody else? That would be part no. of my calculation, right? Because if Gus becomes the head coach and he hires a good offensive coordinator, that guy's a head coach in the next two years, if not one year. I just think defense is not really a problem anymore, right? I mean, their defense is fine. I watch them think they're a defensive team kind of now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think organizational just normalness is the number one issue. So I would lean somebody who's has some idea what to do, but, but they felt, but I, but like they have a grown up running the team right now, and it's felt pretty normal given the circumstances, right? Like Rich is clearly a grown up, like yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's, he's clearly, a legitimate yep, NFL. He's, you know. but he's not going to be their next head coach. No, he's not. Unless so, like the Jimmy Garoppolo scenario where they win the Super Bowl, Mark would have no choice. <laughs> I would Even then, it's like, that. oh, we're just going to still just look about, around. But, but you know what? You raised it. We're kind of kidding. But what if they make the playoffs and win a playoff game? What if they win two playoff games? Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I, hell, I declared them playoff dead before Thanksgiving. So, you know, but it doesn't. Does he have to go to the Super Bowl to get hired? I don't think so. No. I don't think we can underestimate like Mayock being around Mark Davis every day in this current situation and then maybe becoming the GM and the same applies to Rich Passaccia. Now we had the report that Mark was going to blow the whole thing up, but it's been a roller coaster of a year. I mean, they've had a couple, you know, saving wins, obviously the Cowboy game and the Denver game, which were, you know, could have gone either way and they found a way to win it. I would be, would you be surprised if they hired somebody off of this list? I would be. But then again, there's something to be said. The Raiders, historically, they know Gus Bradley. They know Rich Passaccia. I don't think we should be shocked. I would not expect them to hire those guys. But I don't have a great feel for who they're going to hire at all. Yeah. Yeah, my first reaction was the same. But then I look at it and I go, I don't know. Maybe they would. 
I would say if it comes out, like the Raiders tweet out after the season, we are going to retain Mike Mayock as the general manager, and Mike Mayock is going to lead with with Mark Davis. Mark Davis, or I mean, Mike Mayock's going to be Mark Davis's point guy on the coaching search. I would say I wouldn't be shocked if like Leslie Frazier or Todd Bowles is hired. Those are old school defensive guys. Mike Mayock played defense. He's a Belichick tough guy. Mike Mayock feels like he would hire defense, not like uh oh Kellen Moore. Like I would be shocked if Kellen Moore is Mike Mayock's hire, right? I would expect defense or a special teams guy. Well, I think here's the other thing you have to think about. You this may, you just made me think of this. It's like normally the offensive guys are more in demand right now, right? Yeah, Kellen Moore, Dayball, Leftwich. Like there are at least there there maybe more demand is not the word. They're a little bit of the shinier objects. Like is Kellen Moore going to take it? Now maybe he will. Maybe Doug would take a job where there's an established GM. Maybe Doug Peterson doesn't. Like, yeah, I'll go work for Mayock, or I'll go work for who knows Ryan <sighs> Pace, or I'll go work for Balky. <laughs> is Kellen Moore going to do that? Maybe he would. Maybe Kellen would go. I know what I don't know. It's the beauty. Of the, I'm a Pete guy. Uh, I trust Mayock or I trust Balky. We vibe. I'll go be the head coach for that guy. Maybe. Maybe. Kellen's got a pretty good. Kellen's got a pretty good job right now. Makes a ton of money. His owner loves him. They offered him the Boise State job last year. I think the head coach makes like one point eight or two million dollars. Kellen, I I thought I read recently, makes like three or four. Kellen makes a shitload. Yeah, I mean, well, to me, it it makes turning down Boise State to remain the Cowboys OC. It makes a lot of sense. But like, are are we sure that Kellen Moore? Because we've seen guys that just are young and have options. Like, is he a lock to take the Jags job to go work for Balky to leave the Cowboys? Like, to me, no. Well, I think there's a few people in the NFL he that might, we would. He, I mean, he might have a job where Mike just leaves him alone. He just him and Dak kind of run the offense with his coaches, and it's probably probably a pretty incredible gig. Jerry he has him over for, for like dinner. He played for Chris Peterson, who did not jump at every job that came available to him. And it's not unprecedented. I mean, Josh McDaniels left, came back, and now Josh, it seems like, is just kind of chilling in New England until presumably he's happy to just be there until he gets the Patriots job. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. If you're Kellen, you, you work for a guy. What if he calls Chris Peterson, what does Chris Peterson say to him? Well, does this job feel like you, or are you just taking a job to take a job? Coaches are weird though. You know, they're just, they're all wired a little bit differently. Like we're assuming that he's wired like Chris Peter. Maybe he's wired. You know, we'll see. I mean, what, what happens? Like Lincoln Riley three, yeah, what happens when he's offered three NFL head? Like they're they're not yeah. for me and you and most people. Like a move is a really big deal. I mean, you moved across the bridge; it's a big deal, right? <laughs> These guys move states. Who did I see the other day? Oh, it was Billy Napier. I was watching UCF Florida, and they, you know, it's a classic like the 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 next head coach in the weird spot where he's trying not to be like you know overlord. He's trying to just kind of be the chill guy on the sideline. Does an interview like he's really happy, even though it's this future players are kind of getting worked by a team they should be beaten. And he's smiling. He gives a good interview. And I just bring up his uh, Wikipedia page. It's always my move when I want to see a coach. Since 2010, I'm pretty sure I'd counted. He had been at nine places, if you factor in Florida. Nine places. Nine. These, these guys, now I'm not saying Kellen Moore falls under that, but 
some of these guys, like, and maybe Kellen realized this because of the coach that he played for. His dad was a coach, and he's he's really just been in one NFL organization, right? He went there as a player. He stayed as a coach. Like, it's he's le- he's led a good football life. A lot of guys don't even get – even Kyle Shanahan had to bounce around, right? All ca- Shanahan's minions. Hell, LaFleur bounced around. Like, it's, it's the nature of the business. But I would avoid – I hated the thought of that. It's like, I don't want to live in, like, four different states. Like, what, <laughs> what if I don't like it? What if it's cold? Yeah. Yeah, but but some guys do not care. But I think, but I got to think that Kellen Moore, who has not been a guy that's been in a lot of places, understands that a good situation is something to be valued. Well, he's been in two: Boise and the Cowboys. There's worse places to like plant your flag than the Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator. And I'm pretty sure Boise is one of the has been one of the fastest growing cities in the last like decade, right? No, yeah. But here's the other thing: is like Dallas going to be in the NFC Championship game? Like he might not be totally hired. I mean, you might have to wait to hire Kellen Moore, right? But you can talk to him right now. You know, I know. I'm just saying, like, you might have to wait to hire him. Yeah. Niners waited once upon a time. Yeah, that's true. And and I would say he's kind of in the same feels like he's kind of getting talked about in a similar way. Not as long as Kyle had been, but kind of being discussed in the same way. I know that to me if it, the Raiders I, hired Kellen Moore, it would feel like I don't know if it's good or not. I don't know if it's going to work or not, but they just hired one of the most desired candidates. Yeah. In that way, I feel like them, a home run. I, I would say it'd be very risky. I mean, the jobs that he's going to have the opportunity to coach because of the open jobs are just going to be pretty risky, right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders will be different than like the Jags. It feels like the Raiders are kind of like, all right, you come in here to help us. We got to get over the hump and win, kind of like the Chargers job was. Yeah. Like a first-year Raiders coach not making the playoffs is going to be a failure. I would say the number one question, if I was an agent for these coaching candidates going to interview with the Raiders, is you have to ask Mike or whoever is leading the search and the owner, like, what's the status of Derek Carr and his contract? Yeah. If I like him, can we extend him? Or I mean, are you guys good with that? Like to me, that's isn't that the number one question? Mm -hmm. You have a quarterback that the league likes. Do are do you want to keep him? Because there were reports that Mark Davis going into the interviews was going to let people know what the status is of his quarterback financially. Yeah. It'd be interesting what the feedback he gets. What if everybody he talks to says like, I want him. And he had already kind of thought like, we're going to trade him. I would imagine people are going to want, why would you take the job without him? Who was going to be the quarterback? Yeah. Uh, You got some, you got some package deal for Russ or something set up. I don't know. Chubby Russ or the guy from like three years. Yeah. The Russ has been bad for a year and a half. That Russ. But maybe you can get him for a third rounder now. You know, maybe his stock has plummeted. Not. Yeah. D'Amico and Robert Sala would be like, the bad Russ? Well, I've never seen that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Lights me up. I've seen a lot of this. The Rose Bowl, uh, two first round receivers, Haskell the Rascal, the defensive lineman, plus a starting offensive lineman for Ohio State, have opted out of the Rose Bowl. Garrett Wilson's going to be a first round receiver. Chris Olave is going to probably be a first round receiver, too. Did those guys declare for the draft, or they just opted out for next year for Ohio State? No, they're going. I don't know if there's officially declared for the draft, but they're going to the draft. Okay. Jackson Smith and Jigba is a sophomore who turned out, by the way, was the leading receiver at Ohio State because those other guys got a lot of attention. He was in the slot, led the team in receptions and yards. Uh, but those other guys combined for 2,000 yards. They're good. Uh, they're, they're really good players, and they opted out. And so there's been a lot of discussion about, like, oh, you know, we love the Rose Bowl – can NIL save the bowls because players are opting out of bowls as they have been for a few years. This is the first time really we've been able to add NIL to the discussion. 
And my answer to that question is no. NIL cannot save the bowl games. A playoff can save some of the bowl games. And all you need to save is some of the bowl games because I checked the numbers, John. 34% of the viewership in 2019 among non-college football playoff games came from three bowls, the three biggest non-playoff games that year. Rose Bowl, Fiesta, Cotton. I think it was Rose Sugar Peach. Maybe the Fiesta was fourth, some variation of those. But those were those were the those were the games that got the double digit million views. Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess the sugar would be an SEC opponent versus a Big Ten opponent. It just depends if it's in the playoff or not, but that's going to be gotcha. one of your biggest games every year, right? Yeah. And my take on it is the thirty second pick of the NFL draft this year is going to get probably over twelve million dollars. The thirty third pick is going to get probably over two. So there's about a $10 million difference in one draft position in the NFL. God, the owners are sneaky there. How does that, you know, I thought it just, it drops off like a cliff like that off a cliff. Okay. <laughs> we off ain't guaranteed shit guys. <laughs> and so if you're, if you're a first round potential pick, we're like, Oh, NIL, we'll let you do it. We'll set up an autograph signing for you at the Rose bowl. Like, is that okay. something people were talking about? Autograph well, signings? No, it's just the people are trying to find ways whatever it would be. Are you going to set up some autograph signings? You help them get sponsorships. And my point is, whatever your idea is, you have to make up a large amount of money here. Okay, Daughtry? You have to make up a large amount of money to get my, like, $12 million. So what are you going to do? Are you going to pay for my insurance premium? Whatever that is, maybe twenty k plus another how much on top of that? Because this is what I'm putting in jeopardy. Jalen Smith went from a top-10 pick to a second-rounder when he got hurt in a bowl game. And I'm pretty sure that was like the sugar of the fiesta or one of the big ones, right? Think, was that a be. play? It might was it a playoff game? No, it was Notre Dame, Ohio State. I think they both missed the playoffs, but it was it was easily the best non bowl game, or the next best non playoff. It was a big game with a ton of NFL players. Ruined his career. I mean, I guess he ended up getting a second contract, but it was kind of out of guilt for Jerry. It felt like more than <laughs> yeah. like a true play, and they ended up cutting him. Yeah, but it it is not worth. I, I told you this a while back, and I I didn't think. You know, I, I'm not sure you you quite realize like these Ohio State guys were not going to play in the Rose Bowl. They just the receivers. I didn't know like I didn't have the breakdown of position by position, but I just knew the receivers were viewed as top 15 picks, and they, they had all played in the national championship last year. So it'd be one thing. It's like you know the COVID season. They they didn't get a bowl game. They just want one last time with their boys. They fucking they, they won. They beat Clemson last year. Like they've seen the mountaintop in college football. <laughs> now now it's time to get paid. The moment they lost to Michigan and got bounced, like because they, you agree they wouldn't have opted out if they were in the playoffs, uh, right? But like playing Utah in a Rose Bowl game to them just doesn't mean anything. No, but, I'm not. No, I'm not surprised at all that they've opted out of this game. I thought you thought they were going to play a couple weeks ago. We oh, well, maybe I did. I mean, I might have thought they were going to play, but I'm not surprised. I mean, those are. I'm not surprised by it. I go, okay, I get it. That's why we threw so, them in the parlay. So, um, you know, I I don't know what you do other than you expand the playoff. Now, it's been suggested, Cam Worrell suggested to me, well, you give players a cut of the bowl. Like you give them some of the money from the game. You you say 20% of whatever the percentages of the money is going to go to the game. You ever done a business deal? That's not the way it works. Well, it's the players, I don't think, is the Rose Bowl freaking out? How much less money is the Rose Bowl going to make? Um, the bowls are not that interested, but I think the health of college football needs them to find a way to get more of the best players to stay for the postseason. And to me, the simplest way to do that is 
by expanding the playoff. If Chris Olave doesn't want to play in the Rose Bowl, $20,000 isn't going to get him to play in the Rose Bowl. Love Utah in this game. Yeah, by the second, more and more and more. Yeah. I think they're still a five and a half point underdog. CJ Stroud's still one of the better players in the league. You know, and I would imagine well, the backup still, wide receivers yeah. are probably going to be decent. Like they, That's why know. we've already put them in our parlay. Can you, if you have a redshirt freshman, you know, it used to be when I worked at Fresno State, it was like past the fifth week. Now it's just based on a game on the given season. Couldn't you just play a redshirt freshman in that game and still not burn his redshirt year? Depends how many games he's played. You can play yeah, four I'm just games. Saying, let's, let, yeah, hypothetically, he had redshirted the whole season because the wide receivers, he hasn't played at all. Wouldn't I just be yeah. allowed to start him in this game? Get him some yeah. free reps? Absolutely. It's free reps. You get four <laughs> games of free reps if you are if you haven't redshirted before. Now, they haven't played in games, but I would imagine Ohio State has some uh, reinforcements. That would be the nervous part of betting on this game. Like, they could yeah. have, like, oh, my God, there's Guy Haberman, this redshirt freshman, seven stars from Florida, and he goes for three touchdowns against Utah. Like, that's possible. I think the name you're looking for is Marvin Harrison Jr. They have Marvin Harrison's kid as their backup yeah. wide receiver? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good genes. Keep an eye on that. I saw someone wrote, like, uh, maybe it was, like, one of the college – it was Andy Staples. You know, Diggs had his, like, 11th interception this season. And Andy Staples quoted it, like, can you imagine this gene pool if the guy had turned out to be a wide receiver? Like Stefan, his brother, you know, he's yeah. become a great wide receiver. <laughs> or maybe it was like comment was like, you know, this gene pool would probably also replicate a great wide receiver. It's like, yeah, it did. <laughs> great take. <laughs> yeah, these guys, man. So he was, being, he was being sarcastic, but it was funny. Oh, he was being sarcastic. He was, was being, being sarcastic. Su- oh, okay, okay. He covers college. I mean, he knows who Stefan Diggs is. All right, good. good. Did you see him the other day against uh, against New England? When he scores his touchdown, and he point, he goes in the front row. He goes, "You, you, 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 shut the fuck up!" And he just walks. <laughs> Some people thought he might have said something different. I thought that's what he that's said. That's it. Sounded pretty clear as day to me. That's what he said. Yeah. I, I wish he had done. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. I'm out. But yeah, that was version pretty, was good. He was pretty good. I mean, that he roasted J.C. Jackson that game. So, uh, in any event. We're supposed to get some CFP games on Friday night. We'll talk before then. Hopefully, we get them. But our parlay depends on it. What's our what, what's our what's our number? Someone someone asked earlier about the lock of the week. We'll get to the lock of the week on Wednesday, unless you want to jump on Utah uh, five plus five and a half. But our lock our our parlay. This is a big swing we're taking here. Yeah, it's a college football underdog parlay, is what I would call it. It uh, we took Utah. We took Utah. But we These also are money took, line bets. We also took the two underdogs, Michigan, Georgia, you know, seven points. It, it'd be a big win for Harbaugh. We might have taken, uh, not the Cincinnati Bengals guy, uh, but the Cincinnati Bearcats as a 14 and a half point underdog. But we took the money line. When you combine all three, $100 pays 47. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Can you imagine how great the Rose Bowl is going to be if we hit both of the Friday bets? Be absolutely incredible. I, I I had an NFL executive that told me he did a Cincinnati game this year, and he was blown away by how they looked in person physically, and he's been he, he does the SEC and how talented they are, and he thought that Bama, which I watched a lot of Alabama this year, easily could have lost four games, and he's right. I mean they could have. This is not Bama's offensive line's not as great this year. Mechie, who was like their next 
even though I was told he, he was not going to be a first-round pick, he's probably more like a 50-75 to 75 guy, but he did tear his ACL. Cincinnati has what many believe to be the number one corner in the draft, a guy that could go in the top 10. Well, they have Ohio State transfer, who's like their fast guy, who's going to be a top 15 pick. Well, if this guy truly is a top 10 corner, if he can just neutralize that guy, Cincinnati's got an NFL quarterback. They have NFL players on skill guys. They have an NFL corner. I mean, it'd be a huge upset, but, you know, when you start talking it out, like, this is not some of the power. Even Bama's team last year, right, kind of went on skate. They were just better than everyone else. This is not that. Been on the road at Notre Dame. Not that Notre Dame's amazing, but... That was right. an impressive win. A, I, it was. I watched that game. They kicked their ass. Yeah, I've I've been really impressed when I've watched them. Now they almost lost to whoever that was late in the year. Uh, I wanted to say ECU. It wasn't ECU. I saw Fickle just say that he thought, and listen, I, I don't think he was making an excuse. That it the wear and tear after the Notre Dame game of feeling under the microscope and having to prove yourself. Mm. You know, of just like we're not beating these guys by. It was kind of old school college football, like when you and I were kids. It was always, you know, the good teams were obsessed. Like, you didn't win by enough. Like, that just, it got exhausting. Yeah, interesting. It'll be really nice when we go to 12-team playoffs. We don't have to, like, I, I just win the game, you yeah. know? Yep, yep. Or like, lose oh the game. Oregon okay. didn't beat it. this team by enough. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also some of that's about- Some of that's true. I mean, if you're playing a bad team, but... <laughs> Yeah, the style points up at all. But by and large, it hasn't really come down to that for the most part in the playoff. It's just come down to the... You know, by and large, the, the win loss records kind of separate by the end. Historically, a lot of blowouts in this in the in the first round of the college football playoff. I think. Yeah, thankfully, there's no Notre Dame. I don't think Harbaugh's immune to a blowout, unfortunately. Although I didn't think he'd beat Ohio State, and he did. So maybe I had the thought. I had the thought last night in bed. It's weird what I think about in bed. How many Harbaugh's you know, lost some big games? A lot of times, it's been by big time quarterbacks. You see that little guy that George is rolling out. You think that guy's yeah. going to kick Harbaugh's ass? I have a, I, I thought like, I don't know if Michigan's going to win. I, I'm going to bet on them. We obviously did bet on them. Stenson Bennett is going to light them up. Did you see Stetson Bennett's quote about when asked about social media? No. He said, I don't want to hear myself talk about heart surgery. So why do I want to hear some guy on Twitter that doesn't know anything talk about football? <laughs> that's a good I, quote. I, yeah, it's a great quote. You, and then, and then I saw somebody follow. To, is Bennett going to light them up for a couple touchdowns? Like their defense is big time. No, they could win, and you know, as much as I would love our bet to hit, it's funny. I also would love Saban versus Harbaugh in the national championship game. Uh, so, in other words, if we lose the first game, I'd rather just lose the second game too. Would you say if Cincinnati went on to win the national championship in our adult life, it's the best upset we've ever seen? Yeah, because I mean, Brad, Brad Stevens never Georgia won it. and some combination of Michigan and Georgia and Alabama. Brad Stevens Better didn't go to the Final Four twice, which is pretty crazy, but no, he didn't win. Gonzaga has not won a national championship, and now it's got to the point with Gonzaga where we don't treat them like the little engine that could, like they once were. What the hell is it? But the when they win a Gonzaga title, it will, it'll be insane when Gonzaga wins a national title, and it won't get the credit it deserves because we just talk about them like they're Duke now. But they're yeah, Gonzaga. I mean, but at the end of but currently they play like they're Michigan football. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, that one's more of a lifetime achievement award. Like this is nuts. Although that's happened in basketball before in football, it doesn't really happen. Right. At the end of the day, your national championship games are Alabama, Ohio state, LSU, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio state, Oregon. 
I'd say the biggest upset we've seen in football in the last couple decades would be that Boise game is one that stands out, right? Playing Oklahoma with Adrian Peterson. Did Sam Bradford yes. get hurt in that game? I think he was on that team. Josh Heupel? No, I mean, this This was 06. I think it was Sam Did Bradford who was the quarterback. Maybe Adrian got hurt. Or I don't know. But I th- I'm pretty sure it was Sam Bradford and Adrian Peterson were the was the game. It was, was definitely Adrian Peterson. I just I don't remember Bradford getting hurt in that game. I Bradford played. I mean, Boise State was kicking their ass until Oklahoma came back. But yeah, I mean that's up. That is one of the signature upsets in college football for sure. It was was the Statue of Liberty play with Ian Johnson, Jared Zabransky. I think Jared's. I guess he couldn't have been on the cover of NCAA college football, but I thought maybe he was the Boise State quarterback. Yeah, he was on. Uh, no, he, he Bradford wasn't playing. Who was the quarterback? Some guy named P. Thompson threw three picks. P. Thompson. <laughs> Final score was forty-three to forty-two. That's a pretty legendary game. Oh man! <laughs> you know they had a hook and ladder early in that game too. That gets forgotten on that well, the on hook that and, drive. I, I think the hook and ladder got them to the overtime, right? Yeah. And then the overtime score was eight to seven. I mean, they went for two. That's a guy was ahead of his time. I mean, Harbaugh, Brand Staley get With that. How hard is the Statue media. of Liberty handoff too? And he walked into the end zone. Right? Oh he my wasn't god! Close. That and was cool. Closed. Paul Thompson. Oklahoma had five turnovers in the game. They were down. What was the largest Boise lead? Do you have the box score in front of you? Uh, Boise would have been up 20, 28 uh, four. 17. I think Zabransky threw a pick six. They they potentially could have been up 28. I'll go the play-by-play. They were up. Uh, they were up 20, and in control of the game is the point. They were up 27 to 10. Boise was. Then that guy named Adrian Peterson helped bring him back. 27 to 10. Wow. That would have been a heartbreaking bowl loss. It was. I mean, for Boise, if Boise had lost, it would have been heartbreaking. Hey, uh, go to nokidhungry.org slash ham. Uh, we are still running this campaign fundraiser, trying to get to $25,000. we are over $22,000. It's an incredible cause. The cause only gets more urgent by the day, not less so. Uh, the amount of money that's in there already is really, I, I mean, incredible to have over $22,000 raised for No Kid Hungry at nokidhungry.org slash ham. That's where you go. Whatever amount you can donate is greatly used for a great cause to help families, communities, and namely kids that don't know where their next meal might be coming from. Scary, scary thing. An awful thing. And you can help. A dollar can help create up to 10 meals. So it tells you what $25 or $50 or $100, whatever you're comfortable giving, can do at nocoodhungry.org. Well, we only got a couple of years left in the fiscal Year of 2021, tax deductible guy, tax deductible. Mm. So anything that you donate, you can write off. So if you want to get to that lower tax bracket to avoid, uh, you know, giving your money to, for them to waste it and actually do something and impact lives, nokidhungry.org slash ham. Nokidhungry.org slash ham. All right. Uh, Thanks to everybody for hanging out. We'll be back. I think on Wednesday, maybe a little later, we'll see what happens with 49ers practice and Jimmy Garoppolo. But until then, share it. Hit that like button if you're watching the YouTube. Hit the like button on your way out the door. Thank you very much. If you are listening, particularly on iTunes, go leave us a review. Five stars. Leave a question in the mailbag. We'll get back to the mailbag soon. 
And uh, in that question, you can also tell us uh, your favorite bar to hang at. That's a, that's a just a you know little way to connect across across this fine nation. Uh, no kidhungry.org slash ham and podcast, iTunes, uh, Apple podcast reviews. Much appreciated. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.